Hello, Devin. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. So, Devin, you are a cartographer guru extraordinaire. (laughs) (laughs) And you do a lot of work for the RPG community. Yes, I do. And I absolutely love it. Let's just jump right in. Tell me a little bit about yourself and then we can talk about your maps and how that all started. Okay. So, uh, like I said, my name is Devin and I have been playing D&D since I've been about 14 years old and originally had no idea that I could even remotely sell maps for a living or create maps for a living, I should say. Um, spent most of my adult career being an artist and or working as an efficiency manager and just sort of fell into this really awesome dream job. Just kind of happened? Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So the funny thing is... Tell me. Let's dive in. Let's start at the very beginning. Yeah. So the first map I ever made um, was actually during a D&D game. Where we were having a discussion about, you know, like where our, our party had been and where we were trying to get to. And we were sort of, because uh, we didn't have any map or anything else. So we were, you know, everything was theater of the mind. So I drew like a little bubble map, like, hey, we started here. We went this direction. We hit a bunch of orcs. We went this direction. We went to a town, you know. So I drew that out. And then as we went back to playing, I started just filling in the map with like, icons and and everything else and so our dm was like oh that's not bad can i can i use that i was like oh yeah sure have fun you know but it it sparked my interest and i went back to school like the next day or whenever uh school was back in session and i went up to one of my science teachers and asked him how to possibly even make how did like how does mapping work what is mapping like how do we get that far you know and uh went home with a ton of books and started my my love affair with earth sciences and and even uh ended up taking like landscaping uh drawing courses when i got a little bit older but again still never thought anything of it other than wow i really like to do this and then in 2011 bethesda came out with skyrim absolutely fell in love with the game there's a map that comes with the game and then there's a map that's in the game and they don't look anything alike and i was like well i want the map that's in the game because you know you always want you know your games to come to life right so i drew uh, the map. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I just shared on the internet, like, hey, check this out. And everyone went crazy. And I was like, really? You know, and they're like, can I get one? I was like, well, I don't, I don't think I can sell copyrighted stuff, but sure. You know, and that sort of snowballed from there at 90 miles an hour. <laughs> so, wow, I have so many questions. <laughs> so did you take any uh, like post-secondary kind of formal training in cartography or was it your just love of art and geography and mapping that just all kind of combined to kind of give you these skills? I didn't take any formal training specifically in cartography. I did take, as I went on in high school and stuff, I focused on earth sciences and everything else um, and, st- and studied it beyond that because I'm always fascinated with how our world works. Mm-hmm. But when... So artistically, I I never even remotely thought of putting an artistic spin on maps. Like, I don't know why it never dawned on me. It just, those (laughs) were just never two things that I put together. Uh, So most of my art career has been like doing surreal paintings and and illustrations and still not really, I mean, like for my D&D groups, well, yeah, of course, yeah, I'll draw, you know, your character or we'll draw like a little map area. Like, you know, it was different because I didn't think about, Anyone else needing it, I guess? Because you don't. 
you know, when you're playing your game, you don't think about like, hey, this is great. I'll sell these to other people. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, of course not. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, it's just you and your friends. You're just having fun. Why mm. on earth would you make a business out of it? And um, so, no, I didn't, I didn't take up any formal training. Um, but once I realized I could put the two together, then yeah, I really started learning the difference in, in real biomes and how they work and how they go transition from one to the other. Also, because I wanted to create, I love the idea of bringing somebody's imagination into the real world. Right. And with maps, I think one of the, the best things about it is not only does it like really bring a, a DM's imagination to life, but it gives a play, the players like, oh my God, we're in this world. We're here. You know, it, it makes it more real for them. So I wanted to learn how to create maps that were realistic, still in the fantasy world, but were just uh, made sense to us. Because right. one of the one of the hard things about fantasy cartography is even if you don't understand earth sciences, when you look at some of them, it's just like, wow, something about that is just wrong. It doesn't quite look right. And I wanted to to kind of take that away. So even even though some of them are technically wrong in how they're done, one I also have a, a have a answer to that because we don't know how magic affects the world because we don't have real world examples of this. Right. But also yeah, I blend it in as much as possible so it looks far more like natural looking. Right. I find that something really fascinating. And I love that you've articulated that for me because when I've looked at some maps, I've seen like, oh, it's it's Arctic up here and suddenly there's like a, a desert immediately yeah. below it or something. And and you look at it and you're like, something's wrong about that. Like, I'm pretty sure a desert and the Arctic can't be side by side, but okay. Right. But something about your maps is they, they do look very natural. They could be in our world. Right. And I think you've struck that balance of it still being fantastical mm -hmm. while appearing something that we can understand and see as believable. Yeah, I'm I'm always very, very aware of that while creating. So it's one of the reasons why some maps, oh, some maps I go back and forth with DMs like, I, I love this idea, but you have to give me a reason as to why this would occur and it can't occur in one place mm -hmm. unless there's... So one of the things that like um, when we discuss about fantasy art, one of the things that always comes up is, you know, like you said, like there, there wouldn't be an arid desert right next to a, a frozen tundra. Mm -hmm. And although technically we do have ones that are fairly close uh, to each other, even, even in real world examples, it's so rare that we look at it like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but uh, one of the things about fantasy realms, if there's magic in this world, um, everything that we do on a daily basis, we already are aware we're affecting our environment. We're affecting the atmosphere. We affect animal life. We affect plant life. Every animals affect plant life. You know, mm -hmm. a great example is, uh, introducing wolves into Yellowstone Park created this whole change of their environment. And they originally did it to help with the deer population. And then that ended up changing plants and because plants will grow now more because there's less deer destroying them. And it creates this whole interesting cycle that mm -hmm. actually will change the landscape. Right. But we don't have real world examples of how magic would do that. Right. So we don't actually know if we lived in a world where somebody could just at will cause a meteor shower, would it create, you know, an arid desert right next to a tundra? 
Yeah, it could. But there needs to be, when creating a world, you need to actually decide on the physics of it. Like this is something that would occur regularly. And if so, then it needs to occur in more than one place. Because that's where we start to like, well, why would it be there with no explanation of it? Right. So... And that's one of the reasons why I now, I, unless they can give me something, I do a natural progression uh, from like a cold to a more arid place. And, you know, that kind of makes me think of, I don't know if you ever read Terry Pratchett's, uh, any of Terry Pratchett's world, the yep. Discworld series, but where the wizard's tower is, like mm-hmm. the environment is all messed up. Yes. And it's described as being like, there's too much magic in the air and it just messes with the natural order of everything else. And so everywhere else in the world has this kind of, has this rule set that they go by, but the rules are thrown out the window in that particular area. Yeah, that's a great example of that. What most DMs give me, because I don't expect anyone to know earth sciences, and this is one of the reasons why I kind of get, I'm not happy when, when other cartographers sort of make fun of people for not knowing geography. Or mm-hmm. topography, for that matter, because why would you? <laughs> you know, unless this is something that you're actually going to to go into a job for, why on earth would you? So most of my DNs give me maps that they're like, okay, you know, I, I just kind of drew this. Or, you know, like the one I'm working on now was um, uh, they went to like a, a, a website that generates the coastline. And now it's this crazy world, which I'm actually having a ton of fun creating because I, I get to go a little nuts with everything. <laughs> uh, lots of biomes. But I explain to them how it works and I'll ask them, you know, but most of us are actually thinking of, especially with the maps that I make, most of us are actually just thinking of like medieval times and dark ages and stuff like that. So, um, but a little bit more fanciful. So if that's the case, then I don't go too crazy with like changing it drastically i'm like okay well then we're just gonna most of them just like do whatever you want to it which is awesome Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's funny i i imagine that that must be a combination of exciting but also challenging when you have somebody who goes oh well i trust you (laughs) well in the beginning it was but now it's such a preference because in the beginning i i would spend so long like explaining how biomes and stuff work which is why i made my cartography class okay because I was like, you know, it, even from a world building standpoint, it's a good class to take to just kind of understand how how our world works and how to make it um, a little bit more believable in the world that you're building, as well as to make even the most basic map that your players can kind of follow along with, regardless of drawing skills. I mean, it literally is just a fantastic world building tool. Right. But when I get, <laughs> when I get maps and everyone's like, oh, you know, I want it very specific. Then I get the most nervous because I don't want to mess it up. This is their world. You know, this is what their players are in. Like, you know, I get way too nervous. I'm much, mm-hmm. much happier when they're like, I don't know, make it whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I love that answer. <laughs> Have you ever been asked to do a map that you felt was especially challenging because so much of it was already built? Like, so I'm imagining like um, for people who play in worlds where there are fixed places already. Yes. <laughs> I mean, D&D is a good example. There's Waterdeep or Baldur's Gate or whatever. Right. But also like in Mouse Guard, like David Peterson has like a small map of what the world looked like at a certain point in time. Mm-hmm. But because there's an RPG, people play outside of that time or outside of the boundaries that were originally created. How do you go about those kind of processes where there are already pre-existing immovable places? The great thing is, is whenever I start a project, 
prior to it, I explained to everyone that I'm making artistic cartography. And most maps that we actually see outside of like Google Maps or anything that's very specific like that, most of the stuff we're seeing is actually artistic representation. Because if they drew the icons to scale or if they drew uh, the maps and every, uh, the topography to scale, you wouldn't see it. So a lot of maps are actually drawn to make certain um, parts of it more visible or like one of my favorite examples is there is a map uh, of Siam in which Siam looks like the size of the entire European continent. And meanwhile, it's it's really tiny or it was. It's not. And uh, they did it because it's propaganda. A lot of maps that we have from way back when were actually created as propaganda means to show like a king's wealth or a, a country's power. Right. So most of them are incredibly inaccurate unless they were being made for study purposes or educational purposes. And then those are actually surprisingly really accurate considering what they had as tools at the time. So whenever I go into something that's already been established, I explain like it'll be an artistic representation. And I, you know, when I draw up the, oh, the rough draft of it, I kind of explain like, you know, this is how to look and it'll be filled in more. It'll be this or, you know, like I go through the whole process and I, so far I haven't had anyone like, oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, the only time I, I will occasionally get whenever I make, like I just made the one for Greyhawk. I'll get a couple of people like, oh, you you added this or you did this or you changed the size or the shape of this. Oh, I kind of had to in order to make it look like it fit the rest of the map. Right. So and again, it's it's art. It's supposed to be as uh, my awesome friend, uh, Anna Meyer, who actually makes the really, really super detailed, realistic looking map of Greyhawk. As she said, uh, she makes the very technical maps that DMs love, and I make the maps that players love. So <laughs> my maps will be sold in-game by a traveling merchant. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. So how many maps do you make in a month? One. <laughs> One map in a month. <laughs> One map a month. They take a very long time to create. Yeah, they're very detailed. I am hoping to sort of speed that process up. It'll probably only be by one more map. So why is that? How how can you go from one map to two maps in a month? Oh, so originally I was drawing everything by hand on paper, and I'm limited to the size of my scanner, unfortunately. And um, my scanner is 11 by 17. So that's the largest map I could make. So to do everything with that much detail and that small, I have magnifying glasses and a really steady hand, which means I need to go super slow right. in creating it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I recently and very terrifyingly invested in a really nice tablet that's rather large and scares the crap out of me, but I'll make it work just so I don't have to to work so microscopic so I can blow right. it up and, and work a little bit quicker. So so ha have you started to work with your new tablet? I have. It's very interesting. <laughs> so I am visually impaired. And prior to this, I couldn't use any tablets because of the glare and everything else off of it. it makes it really hard for somebody with my type of vision problem to see it. And so working with the tablet that I have now is just so, it, I feel like I'm learning how to draw again. So it's, uh, it's, it's a little intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> 
I find it just like absolutely incredible the amount of detail and and the beauty in your maps and Aww. the just how brilliant they are. And you have a visual impairment. How does that affect your ability to to draw or to um, create? And what is it about the new tablet that is accessible where old ones weren't? Uh, so to the best way to explain my visual impairment is I see in a two-dimensional world. Uh, I was born this way. I have less than 5% vision in one of my eyes. And in the other eye, I have very less than perfect vision. So it essentially makes my world look very flat. And when I started creating art, this was really obvious because everything I drew and painted looked incredibly flat until I had a really amazing art teacher who realized that I have this impairment and um, started um, taking photographs of things, putting them in black and white and blowing up the contrast so I could actually see the difference in things. Well, interesting. Yeah. And this taught me how light reflects off of objects, how to tell if something is curved or not. And so this actually is what the biggest influence in my creation is why everything has to be drawn in black and white first and then colored in because that's how I, I can best define it in my own imagination. Otherwise, nothing has three dimensions to me. And so previously, most tablets have a very crisp reflection in them mm -hmm. that so it uh, i have to look at my hand movements i can't like draw and then look up at a, a monitor there's too much of a disconnect for me and this is true of most artists so it's not just my impairment that does mm -hmm. that but when looking at a tablet there was so much of a crisp reflection that i couldn't quite because i see things flat i can't you can't really see beyond them so if you wear like sunglasses and you can see a reflection in them you know it's like can't you have a hard time looking past that. Well, right. it's even worse when you see the world very flat. So they would be too distracting. It would be a little, and I just didn't have any, an artist has to love the medium that they're working in in order to create. And I just didn't like the tablets that I've worked with previously. And then I went to the Wacom Experience Center here in Portland, Oregon, and just absolutely fell in love with this tablet. Knew I could do it. <laughs> it took me about 10 minutes of playing with it, but I'm like, okay, I need to get this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So. That's really great. And I love learning new art. So, Did you find that to be a shock at all, like finding a tablet that worked for you after so many didn't? Did you ever expect that? I, I honestly, well, I kind of had an idea with this one because, so I actually am very much involved in the community, I should say, with a lot of other artists that have impairments. And so when I put out that I was like, oh, I'm still looking for a tablet because there's got to be something that'll help me get through this process. I'd like to make more than one map a month. How on earth can I do this? I actually had another, uh, a couple other uh, visually impaired artists like, oh, I, we use this tablet because they changed the surface of it that even if you do have a reflection or glare on it, it's so diffused that you're not distracted by it. I was like, that's brilliant that's awesome yeah i wonder what the purpose was from like from like wacon's perspective of doing that uh, if that came from a need and from artists and visually impaired artists asking for something different well i would assume that it would come from uh from anyone i, I think it would come from any artist because as you're working on something to see your own reflection it i'm sure would be distracting but also because they wanted to make a much more textured surface to make it feel more like you're drawing on paper 
as opposed to drawing on glass. Okay. And it feels that way? Oh, yeah. It's it's a lot closer to... Because when you're drawing on glass, especially with uh, when somebody's heavy-handed, which thankfully I'm not, but when you're heavy-handed, you just kind of feel like your pen is, you know, just slipping all over the glass. And this actually adds a little bit of texture to it to the point where you, you kind of feel... I mean, their newest one that's coming out in production, I think, starts next month. It's supposed to be even more paper-like than this one, but I just couldn't wait. <laughs> I was like, no, I need it now. So I get enthusiastic. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. I think that, I, th- I just think that's really cool. And the fact that it's going to help you be able to like move faster and be able to put more out and yeah. still retain the quality of work is just such a huge bonus. Oh, yeah. And, and plus, I now get to work on any size canvas, which means that I can, I I get to create maps that DMs can now take a digital, you know, take the digital version of and blow up to any size and kind of work with just showing their players just the town that they're in or just the region that they're in and not have like this big fuzzy blobby looking. Oh, yeah. So that's the biggest reason I want to do it. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Just every every time you put out a new map, I'm just like, oh, so beautiful. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Like, let's let's go back a little bit. You started playing RPGs. You said when you you started playing D and D when you were 14. Yes. What got you playing? Um, I went over a friend's house and we were passing by a room with a very rowdy group of adults. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, what on earth are they doing? And my friend's like, oh, they're playing D&D. And I was like, oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know? And she's like, you've never heard of D&D? I was like, no, no, I can honestly say I haven't. And uh, so I went in there and um, they started showing me just like the basic mechanics of what they were doing. And I was like, oh, my God, can I play? And they're like, well, you you can't just like jump into our game. But the next time you're here, we'll do like a one shot. And if you like it, you know, type of thing. And uh, so they did. And they set us up with, uh, I think, about four or five of us kids and just to play this. We were murder hobos. We killed everything. We, <laughs> If we could steal it, we did, you know, type of thing. We right. Kids. Of course. But it, it started my addiction like right away. And so are you still playing? Yes. And with any of the same people? Uh, no, not with the same people. <laughs> um, I did. So <laughs> I went right into LARPing. <laughs> uh, and I had like a LARPing group that I played with for pretty much about 10 years. But I I travel a lot. So it's always been hard for me to, to find a, a group that I can stay with long enough until now, because now, uh, now I play every Monday night over on the Greyhawk channel. Right. And I love it because Greyhawk is the first world that I actually got to play in when I was 14. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So I had like a, a hiatus from playing because I had been sick and hadn't had a local group. And like most people like, oh, I don't want to play on the internet. It's not the same as a table. Not kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> so I just don't get to throw popcorn at people when they annoy me or anything. That's the only thing I can't do. I throw it at the <laughs> monitor, but they don't feel it. <laughs> what a perfect like full circle that became. Oh, yeah. That's one of the reasons why originally I, because I'm swamped with work, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. And then it was like, oh, well, we playing Greyhawk. I was like, well, maybe I should because <laughs> it just makes sense. So yeah. Yeah. Now I get to play in their villainous campaign, which is just even better. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's great. Do you have a favorite map that you've ever made? Um, oh, God. See, now, 
Here's the thing. I My favorite map is always the one I'm working on <laughs> uh, until I work on the next one. And then that becomes my favorite map. Right. Uh, mostly because every map I get to do something different. And, and I love that. And I love people's imagination when they come to me and present their worlds and tell me like, this is how this was created. And this is why this is there. And, and I love that. And I love being able to uh, offer that to my my followers and my community. And we all get to explore these really fantastical worlds. But I have to say, I have I like two instances where they're not my favorite maps because I made them, but because of who they were given to. Okay. And one is um, as a gift for Ed Greenwood, who created Faerun. Uh, a friend of his contacted me and said, can you make a map for him on leather? Which I did. And it, it sits in his writing den over his desk. I love that. I ran around the house screaming for like a good hour. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So what was that like? A map on leather? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I... So I learned a form of, uh, I learned pyography, which is wood burning. Okay. Or fire writing. And you can do this on leather. And I wanted it more than ink because ink eventually can fade or uh, can have other problems. So can painting leather. And staining can bleed. And especially with as much detail that's in Faerun, I was like, well, that's not going to work. Right. So I learned how to uh, essentially use pyography on leather and created a rather nice large map for him. Uh, and I love doing it. The only problem I have is it's exceedingly time consuming. So one of my future projects is to actually get a laser engraver. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And create my maps to actually be able to go on leather. Oh, neat. Yeah. So it'd be awesome. Or wood or parchment again. Well, <laughs> not actual parchment. It'll be on paper. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like vegan options. Yeah. <laughs> So how long did that take you then to do that map on leather? Um, it technically, okay, so technically, because I had already done the basics of the map, because of course, I have my own favorite map. Like once I started doing artistic <laughs> cartography, I made maps for all the things I love. Yeah. So I already had a basis for it. So that part, I just had to like, I had to bring it into the computer and then blow it up and then print it out in sections so I could have it in scale to the size of the piece of leather I made it on. And then that took about two weeks of uh, about 10 hour days, six days a week. Wow. Yeah, it was, a, it was an arduous project. That's incredible. It's over two feet long. Wow. Yeah, I think it's like a three foot long map. Yeah. <laughs> That must have been so such a neat project to do, though. Oh, it was amazing. It was so much fun. That's so unique. Yeah. And then then to hear his reaction to it, I was like, oh, my God. So that, <laughs> yeah. And uh, a second one, of course, would be the one that I made for Matt Mercer. Yeah, for Critical Role. Yeah. And that's mostly because I never really get to, like, I, I'll have a couple of DMs like, oh, my God, that's awesome. You know, like, it's always in text. It's very rarely do I get to see anyone's reaction. So much less the players. So when that map came out on Critical Role, like that was the most just amazing gift anyone could possibly give me of just watching them explode, watching chat go crazy, uh, just to actually get to see like a, a real time reaction to right. something I created. That was phenomenal. 
Did you know that the map was going to be shown in that episode? Yes. Matt was actually like, okay, if we can get it here by by this time, then I can do it on Thursday. And I was like, that's funny. That's my birthday. I'm getting it to you. I don't care what it takes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I will deliver it by hand if I have to. That's fine. Yeah, that was really cool hearing or watching everybody's reactions to it. That was really delightful. Oh, that was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I think um, it's almost like having having the validation from people who have, like you said, you you get the texts or the emails from people who you've made things for being really excited. But yeah, you don't get to see the reaction of the entire table like the group. Yeah. The amazing thing is something I love. I mean, I absolutely love Critical Role to begin with. I've been following them like eight months after they started live streaming. So I'm like slightly obsessed with them anyhow. <laughs> But to know that I'm like, I'm now canon blows my mind. I'm like, oh my God, wait, (laughs) my map is now, oh, oh crap, I'm part of the world. That's just, that's amazing. That's really cool. I would love to talk more about how you came, how you came to map making for a living and kind of making that change, making that crossover from doing it more as a hobby to doing it for a living. So when I first when I first made those maps for uh, made the map for Skyrim, uh, I actually really resisted wanting to make maps for other people because everyone was asking for copyrighted material. And I know that although a lot of artists, you know, will sell like fan art and stuff like that, there's a limit to that. And I really, well, one, I just I really don't want to have to work with and with takedown notices and. I am, I don't like the idea of being so structured and making it so exact like what everyone else has. I love being able to have freedom with a map. So I actually resisted, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make maps. I don't want to make maps. (laughs) And then, and then I actually got a great project working with, well, I should take that one step back. I decided I wanted to start actually building another world because I love world building and I created a world and a map for it. And it was the first map where it was entirely my world and my imagination. And I created this map and then posted it on the internet and someone went, hey, I have this world that I'm building for my players. Can you make a map? I was like, I can try, you know. And it started off very slowly because, and I wasn't advertising it because I was like, I don't know if I would actually want to do this because one, it is taking someone else's imagination and trying to put it in into reality. And I was worried that there would be so much going back and forth and that it would kind of like make me lose the artistic uh, mood to do it, which is, you know, something that unfortunately happens a lot when somebody does tons of requests. It kind of just like kills the mood of wanting to create something. Right. Uh, but I had such an amazing experience with it that I was like, okay, this, this is actually working out really well. I just don't know if there's anything out there that I can make a living doing this. So I actually started doing some research and I came across Amanda Palmer's, she did a TED talk for the art of asking. And even if you, you absolutely hate her music or whatever the case, doesn't matter. This is a fantastic conversation about being an artist and connecting with your community and people and learning not to be uh, afraid to embrace that connection and let people pay you to do something they really enjoy. Right. And that was like, okay, I, all right. I totally get that. I have no idea how that works or if it can work for cartography, but I'm going to find out. And then it, within hours, I found Dyson Logos 
Patreon. And so I'd already heard of Dyson uh, by that point, but he makes these fantastic uh, dungeon maps. If, if there's actually someone on this planet who doesn't know who he is. <laughs> and uh, so he does these beautiful work and he's on Patreon. And what he does is his patrons uh, just pay for him to create maps that all of them and the public can use freely. So essentially what they do is they cover his living expenses and he just makes maps. And then he just produces them, puts them out on the website. You can download them for free. I was like, I want that. See, this is exactly what I want to do. Right. And so seeing that he had, was already able to do that proves that, you know, there is something out there. There's a, an audience for it. And that November, which is November 2016, I messaged all of my patrons and like, okay, next month we're trying something new and I'm terrified I'm going to screw this up. So please bear with me. But all of my art is now going to be able to be downloaded for free. I hope you guys still follow me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you know, why would you... Why, why pay for the cow when you can get the milk for free as the saying goes. Right. And, uh, they did and they doubled in the first month and it's just been picking up since there, which is just amazing. So last November I hit my, my one year anniversary of doing, of giving my work away for free, which is terrifying, <laughs> but it's, it's working. I can't complain. I have an amazing following that I absolutely adore. Well, and I think it's, I think it's something that's, really powerful in the community is giving back to the community. Yes. The way that you and Dyson do is that creating something for the community, giving it to the community for free and saying, if you have the financial means, if you're able, then support yeah. me so that I can continue to give this to the community as a whole. Yes. And I think that's a really powerful thing. No, I, I agree. My big thing is we have an amazing community. We really do. I, I mean, every time that I, I see like a tweet go out and somebody in our community is in need, watching the RPG community completely rally behind the person and help them out. And I, it just, it's just amazing. I love how much we stick up for each other. I love how much we defend each other. I love how much we share in our stories. And I, what I love the most is I have these DMs that come to me with these fantastic lore and history and politics and religion and everything else for these worlds. And the only people that ever get to, sh to uh, learn about them are their players. So my incentive is like, okay, I will do my best to make this world for you really super inexpensive. So you're not paying, you know, hundreds of dollars to have a map made, mm -hmm. but I really want you to share it with the world. And if you're willing to share it with the world, you don't have to share all of your, you know, you don't have to share the religion or the history or anything. Just let me share the map. Right. You know, um, most of them have no problem agreeing to it. And they're like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. That that makes and they love it once I start tweeting and they're like, Oh yeah. And people will ask them, So why does it look like this? And why is this here? And and I encourage them like here, share lore, share, you know, information and let's world build together. Right. It's one of the reasons I'm such a huge fan of like world and build. Great website. You know, you can put your stuff on there and just and you can have not only can you have your players join in and help you edit and you can create timelines to tell your your actual campaign stories, which I just think is amazing. But you get to put your maps on there and create your own lore and everything else that goes along with it and share that with the world. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, let's let's be real about this. As much as we would all love to have our own version of Critical Role take off as we're live streaming our D&D <laughs> game, odds are not, unfortunately, in our favor. And it's much better to be able to work collectively as a community and help each other out and booster each other up than it is to like, no, 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 got to keep this all to myself in case one day I become rich and famous with it. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's uh, having such positive and encouraging voices in the community like you are so important. Thank you. They help drown out the toxicity. Yes. I had a phenomenal experience. So just before I was like, okay, uh, I'm giving my artwork away for free. What really helped me decide that I was going to do this was I unfortunately got very sick. Um, I found out that I had a bone infection in my maxilla bone. So essentially in my face and it was life threatening. And uh, unfortunately, with the way that my health insurance was, they don't cover dental. And as far as they were concerned, because I was going, I had to go see an oral surgeon, they wouldn't cover it. And without thinking about it and being really upset, I had posted uh i like made a tweet like i can't believe you know the state of things and blah 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 and i'm so upset not in how on earth i'm going to pay for a surgery that has now become life-threatening and you know went to bed woke up the next morning with like a ton of messages emails and everything else of people that were just literally throwing money at me and i'm like i i really didn't even ask for it and that was it i was like see this is what i mean like there are a lot of people out there that really just want a community and they want that connection and they want a place to belong. Right. And I think all of us want that. Even the people that are out there kind of adding to the toxicity are really just trying to find a voice where people, you know, I hate to say it, but they're looking for, you know, to be validated. Right. And unfortunately, they go about it the wrong way. And I'm always hoping that somehow, some way, they like see how we will boister each other up as long as we're positive about it, right. as long as we're there for each other. And you give something back as much as you're asking to take, right. I think makes a tremendous difference. And every month, I mean, it terrifies me in one sense because I'm putting an entire month of my life to create a single map right. and hope that I get paid adequately enough to pay my bills for it. But when I release those maps and to get the responses I do and to hear like, oh, we're going to use this for our home campaign or whatever, it, I, I live for that. And as long as that keeps happening, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. And I think that the idea of being able to build that within your own smaller community and then branch out is huge. And I highly, highly encourage it because there is enough hate out there already. Why add to it? I really believe that we can, that we can drown out that toxicity and, and that we can move forward as, as a positive and open and loving and supportive community. And I think that it starts with, it starts with being encouraging and what you said, mm -hmm. lifting each other up yeah. and giving back to the community in whatever way we can. Right. I mean, there's, there's so many people out there that do have, like, I love when someone like messages me and like, oh, you know, you create maps. Do you, do you happen to do portraits? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> but here I have a huge list of other artists that do. Right. And uh, I love working with people that, that do unusual things. I, I constantly, if I can find other artists that do things I don't, Oh, I totally love to share their stuff because I'm like, hey, I can't do everything and that's fine. I even, like, I love that I, I will get messages every once in a while, like, you do realize that you're promoting other cartographers, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I even teach them how to make maps if they want. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, because one, there's there's millions of people that play D and I'm pretty sure I can't make maps for all of them. Right. I don't have that much time. I don't think my hands would last that long. <laughs> And I don't think anyone wants to wait a few decades to get a map from me because there's a queue that long. <laughs> so, yeah. And besides, there's, I love some of the the beautiful maps that people make. Right. There's a lot of brilliant art yeah. out there. And I love that. Absolutely love that. There's no wrong way to make a map, you know. So how does one get one of your maps? Right now, I have to, <laughs> right now I have commissions closed because I have a three-year backlog. Wow. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Awesome. Little, It's a little intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm hoping to cut that down, hopefully with a tablet. To, if I can get it, if I can get more than two out of a month, I would be more than ecstatic. But I, I'm right now I'm like, okay, I'm, realistically I'm looking at two, but that's fine. Right. So at least that cuts it in half. So, but when my commissions are open, all you have to do is become a patron of mine at the $10 level. And for however long that you're a patron is what you pay for your map. So if you have to wait five months, you've paid $50 to get a map made by me. That's a really awesome way of doing it. Yeah. And then this way, everyone else who's a patron of mine helps to collectively pay for you to have your map made. Yeah. I think that that is a really awesome, like, I don't know, that's just a really brilliant business model, I guess. Yes. <laughs> of doing it because, again, it's it's putting it back into the the hands of the of the community, community to help get oh, work yeah. out there. And they, they, they really do love it. I have so many people that just melt my heart every month with, you know, because I always put out, like, uh, I make a joke, but how am I doing cards? And um, I will always get, hey, I'm not, I'm not here for anything other than to support the amazing art that you put out. Really? Because, you know... <laughs> Don't you want something, anything? I'd be fine if you, you know, yeah. it's okay. But yeah. And they love the fact that they are helping other people actually be able to get involved in, in D&D and get to play and get to stream. And I'm like, yep, no, I'm all for this. Yeah. Because the more we have as a community, the more stuff that we have, the more stuff that we ourselves can get. Oh, of course. I, I love that idea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and I think something like that too is like, you know, a lot of people don't have the financial means to be able to right. pay for a map or pay for custom art or or maybe they have ten dollars a month but they don't have five hundred dollars all at once. <laughs> right. And that's one of the one of the ways that I, I've always looked at it as in you know, and, and there's a huge part of me that's like, oh, ten dollars a month is a lot. But unfortunately, uh it makes it a lot easier than someone who's a patron for five months gets a map for five dollars and then doesn't pay for anyone else to get their map. Right. Uh, so unfortunately, I have to do it at that level also because I'm pretty sure I'd have an even longer queue if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And it's a lot easier paying ten dollars a month. I mean, because these maps would cost these maps would easily cost five hundred dollars or more. You're paying me for a month. Right. You know, imagine paying someone your salary. Exactly. And the amount of work that it takes for you to do one map, if it yeah. takes three years to get there, that's still, in the long run, $10 a month. Yeah. I mean, you're still paying less than $500, even if you were waiting for three years. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's one of the reasons, that's the, the way I look at it. And I hope that other people are totally on board with it. And, and I understand completely if they are not. I, I love that I will get messages like, I'm so sorry, I can't do this. I'm like, no, it's okay. Trust me, I understand. And I feel bad that I can't just like work and, and not have to worry about paying bills because I totally agree. Yeah. This is great. I would be doing this either way. To be honest, I'm a, I'm obsessed with creating. So There's always that dream of if you won 
a obscene amount of money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I would be paying my patrons. <laughs> <laughs> I totally would. I would just be spending so much time just, just creating yeah. and putting it out there because I love what people come up with. I love the stories that they create for the world that I built. I'm like, really? Wow, I never even thought of that. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's such a wonderful thing to be able to see people come together to to make worlds come alive. I love that. It's it's the collaboration right at the table all the way to commissioning, you know, portraits of your characters or being one of your patrons and getting a map made of your world. There's so much, we put so much emotional investment in the worlds that we play in that there's no way not to want to see as much of that in your real world. Yeah. And it really sort of solidifies, it, it, it almost makes it real. Yeah. Exactly. And I love that. And it creates memories. Like the, the thing that I love about yes. RPGs and playing in these worlds that we created together is then it creates, you know, your in-game memories, but also your real world memories with your friends. Like, oh, remember when we did X, Y, Z? Or yeah. remember this part of the campaign? Or remember when your character did this? Remember when we had our gnome player in the haversack and you beat the security guard with it? Because <laughs> that actually happened in one of my games. <laughs> Hey, they they totally we were laughing our our asses off about it because during the actual game it was so I had to take an improvised weapon, but it was an attack of opportunity that I looked at our gnome and he was like, All right, just do it because it was the only thing I had in my hand. (laughs) That's perfect. I love that. Yeah, so again took the security guard out though. (laughs) Our gnome took a little bit of damage, not too bad. That's good. Yeah, I didn't kill them. Perfect. So, so what inspires you to map make or to keep map making? Honestly, honestly, it's the stories. You know, you know, when you were a kid and you watched a movie like Never Ending Story or the Harry Potter series or anything in which magic became real. And as a kid, you just had this, you just, you just knew it existed. And somehow, some way, there was just something that was just going to magically open and you would be able to go into that world. That's what RPGs are. And it, it's the, the closest we're going to get to getting a Hogwarts invitation, to being able to name a princess, to entering into a, a fantasy world uh, in any way. And when I was younger and really started playing this, uh, I was one of those kids that was constantly told to get my head out of the clouds, keep my feet on the ground. I had such a wild imagination to the point where, I mean, I wasn't like a class clown or anything, but I would always come up with like these really extravagant stories as a kid. To be able to play RPGs was the only time in my life where this wasn't shunned. As a matter of fact, it was like totally encouraged and it made a world of difference to me as a kid and then as an artist and then as an adult because you get to relieve stress in ways that you don't even realize how stressful your life is even with somebody like I get to have my dream job where I get to create art 24 hours a day if I want seven days a week and but I still have stress I still have the business end of it and still at times very hard to do and yet RPGs are the one times where I I just get to have complete fun, let my imagination do things I wouldn't normally do, uh, interact with people in ways I wouldn't normally. And I love that. I live for that. And being even a small part of so many other people's experience in that same level is the 
biggest drive behind me wanting to just make these maps as detailed, as interesting, as humanly possible. I want, I want players to just scour over the map, just trying to find every little tiny thing that I've hidden, every rune that I sneak in in a forest, every trail that I sneak behind a mountain. I want them to just pour over these maps and really want to experience and explore and have stories that go along with every little piece. That's the biggest reason that I do this and love doing this. That's just, oh, that's outstanding. It's so incredible and perfect. <laughs> that was, that was wonderful. Oh, thank you. That's, that was beautifully articulate. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Devin. This was absolutely delightful. I've really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, I loved it. To you. This has been really great. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Awesome. I, I so appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Oh, anytime. Support for the I Am Here podcast, presented by RPG Casts, is made possible by listeners like you. You can help the show going for as little as $1 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash rpgcasts to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and to make your pledge. The intro and outro music for I Am Here was composed by Emily E. Mayo. Special thanks to Peter Grelly for designing the graphic art and assets for both RPG Casts and for I Am Here. Thank you so much for listening. It means so much.